Welcome to another impactful message from Cornerstone Church, where we truly believe there is one hope for every heart, Jesus Christ. If you'd like to check out more resources or view video of this sermon, visit us online at cornerstonerome.com. And so, hey, let's open up our Bibles today to Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, and verse 31. And today I titled this message, Sifting is Only a Season. It's only a season. So while you turn there, Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, and verse 31, we're going to start there. Some really cool news coming up to you in February. Um, Pastor Steve Holsinger is going to do a whole series for us in February, which I'm really excited about, on the book of Ruth. And so it'll be a three-week series starting the second week in February. And so you don't want to miss that. It's going to be great. So if you're there, let's read it. Let's look at it together. Um, This is Jesus talking to Peter, Simon Peter. He says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. And if you hadn't heard the first message, go back and listen to it. It'll explain a little bit about this context of what Satan is saying, um, that he's demanding permission to sift Peter. But Jesus says he's demanded permission to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail and that you, once when you have turned again, I want you to strengthen your brothers. And so this idea that Jesus praying for Peter, we talked about this, but that um, if he said, I pray that your faith will not fail, gives us the idea that, man, this is coming at him strong enough that his faith could fail. But thank God we have Jesus praying for us and helping us get through times of sifting. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about this idea of sifting like wheat and why would Jesus use the terms that he used. And this is where I got the idea about streaming out here, kind of in some farmland, because this is an agricultural statement. So when Jesus uh, gave his references, many of the references he's, you know, that he gave, they were related to agriculture. It was an agricultural community. They were into farming. They, these were fishermen that Jesus called, many of them. Uh, some were not, but many of them were fishermen. But um, they would have understood what his terms would have been when he mentioned sifting like wheat, when he talked about farming. And when you think about all the different times that Jesus mentioned his parables and other stories, you can probably think of a few. The sower who sows the word. Uh, you think about the parable of the wheat and the tares. You think about uh, the, the employer and his employees and how he gave them responsibilities to do work and different things like that. There's all these references to agriculture. And, and you fast forward 2,000 years today, it is not something we talk about that much. We don't have, I mean, we live in a rural area and, but we don't have an agricultural society like what they would have had then. We have a much more um, tech-driven society, it seems, and we know a lot about technology, but very little about agriculture, which uh, probably is not all that good. You know, you think about it, somebody's got to plant your beans. Um, not everybody can code and do computers. Somebody's got to um, plant stuff so you can eat. So anyway, it's something to think about. But to understand farming in this agricultural society, you would understand uh, the terms that Jesus used, and you would understand farming, and you would understand this that you know when you take a seed and when you plant it, the, the time it takes to harvest the fruit from that seed, whether it be vegetables or fruit or whatever it might be, and you'd also understand that there would be seasons, and there would be these seasons that come and they go. You'd understand that there's birds that are going to try to eat your your fruit. You understand there's wild animals that are going to try to eat your vegetables and. You know, out here, I mean, I don't know about the wild animals so much, but you have deer and, you know, rabbit and things like that that try to eat your vegetables once you start growing them. So you have to understand how to protect and watch over these kinds of things. But for them, uh, they would understand this. In our culture, it, 
may not be so unless you have grown a garden or you are, you know, someone who's been on a farm, you might understand a little bit more. But the idea about this sifting like wheat and why it's important to understand an agricultural term that Jesus is using is to get the idea that it's about a season and that seasons come and seasons go. You don't live in the same season. Thank God right now we are in the middle of winter, not the front end. We are on the, you know, I was looking forward to the the warmer weather. I thought this is great and here it comes, you know, another cold front. But, um, man, I thank God it's not always cold. I thank God there's spring and then there's summer and, you know, the beautiful fall that you get to see the, the colors and the tree and the landscape. And right now, you know, there's not much, there's not many colors that you can see. Maybe some evergreens here and there, but all the leaves are gone. But for some people, uh, it's hard for people to see outside of the season that they go through or that they're in. And you've got to be able to look beyond where you are right now because seasons come. And seasons go. Jesus didn't say to Peter, hey, I'm praying for you because you're going to be sifted for the rest of your life. He said you're going to be sifted like wheat. Wheat sprouts. It comes up out of the ground after it's been planted. It goes through a sifting process to get out the all the different things and, and the husk and whatnot. So you're left with the good parts. But it is sifted. It's a season. It doesn't last forever. So I want to give you a couple of thoughts today about this, that sifting is only a season. Number one is this. So maybe write this down and, uh, and think about this. Number one, we've got to look beyond this season. I'm going to take a little bit of liberty here in this verse of Scripture, but I think you'll, you'll respect what I'm saying. But 2 Corinthians chapter 4, and verse 18, it says, While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Now, I know this is talking about the resurrection of the dead and the importance of the return of Christ and those types of things. But this is the basis of faith, that we look at the things that we, um, that we can't see, the eternal things. We should have more faith in that than what we see right now around us. And it's that way with a season. You know, it's cold right now, but it's not going to last forever. And during seasons of sifting, we have to be able to have some vision. And vision for what can be and not just sight for what is. And when you're in winter, everything looks dead. I mean, right now it's cold. I am shivering out here right now. It's cold. Everything looks dead. If you looked at our property right now, we've pruned back everything. All of our fig bushes. We've pruned our grapes and pear trees. I pruned them so far back this year because they, they, just need, they were just out of control. And when you prune stuff and in the winter months, everything is, there's not much color out. It looks very dead. But it's not going to last forever. Pruning is a part of winter. And so is, if you're in agriculture, you would sharpen your plow. You would clean out the areas that need to be cleaned out. You would do some work that you don't necessarily do during harvest because you don't have time. You're gathering the fruit. And in our culture today, I want you to think about something. We, we pray and we ask God for miracles. And there's nothing wrong with that. But we expect God to move immediately And that might happen if you need a miracle. But much of what Jesus communicated to us was based on this idea of planting, growing, and harvesting. It took some time. Miracles tend to revolve around that end-of-the-line moments that we have. And if you need a miracle, then you need a miracle. But, you know, I mean, think about it this way. If your kid doesn't come home at curfew, you don't need a miracle. You need a moment with your kid. Right? I mean, can... All right, all right. Look straight ahead. All right, I got you. But, you know, if, if, if you're having problems with your finances, 
You may be doing a miracle because of an uh, unexpected expense or something just happened, but if it's always financial problems and it's for 20 years it's a financial problem, you don't need a miracle. You need a budget. There's some things that are basic that God gives us that says these are more of a seed time planting and a harvesting method than a miracle method. And don't confuse a miracle with a moment that you might be in right now. You might not need a miracle. You might just need to learn in the moment that you're in. And one of the things that people keep asking, and I want to say this today, so I don't know if it's an elephant in the room or whatever, but nonetheless, people keep asking this question, well, Pastor Jody and other pastors, we get around, I guess I've heard this, I don't know, from how many different pastors, that people keep asking, what's wrong with the church? Like, what is wrong with the church, Pastor Jody? Why does... Why are people not coming back to church like they did before um, 2020? And, you know, at first you hear it and you think, well, man, what is wrong with the church? Maybe it's us. Maybe it's me. And, you know, pastors everywhere have thought this. I mean, I can't tell you how many pastors have asked this question. Hey, Pastor Joey, how many people are y'all running? Well, maybe 50% on a great Sunday. But there's a lot of people watch online that can't come. And so, man, don't get discouraged. Just preach to the ones you got, baby. But they feel like, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong. And it hit me, I thought, you know, if there's a season in our life where God wants to prune some things, then why would we be concerned if he wants to prune his church? I mean, if God is a God of an understanding of agricultural uh, terminology that he used with Jesus, and there are seasons in our own lives, why would there not be seasons in his church? And if he is pruning his church, then I just take courage in that and it's not my church, it's his church. And Jesus said he's building his church. And if he wants to prune it, then let him prune it. But the reality is, one day, when he's done and what he's doing through this process, he is looking forward to fruit. And so I'm not worried about what the church is doing or what the church is or is not right now. I'm more concerned with trying to follow Jesus right now because he's the one building his church. So I wouldn't worry so much about what's the church and why this and why that. Hey, let's just worship God and, and quit worrying about who's not sitting beside you and start thanking God for the one that is sitting beside you. You know, look around this morning. Look online this morning. Who's on there with you online? Tell them, hey, man, thanks for being a part today. I'm praying for you. Let's encourage people that are around us and quit being discouraged about the people who may not be around us. Because Jesus is building his church. I'm not building his church, and you're not building his church. He is building his church. And let me prove this to you by Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. Paul says this, Now unto him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond anything that we could ever ask or think, according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Jesus is concerned about generations. God is concerned about generations. And he is not stopping with ours. He has a plan, and I think we ought to just join with him in his plan. Let's worship God. Let's, let's serve God. Let's study about God's word. And let's just get behind what Jesus is doing right now instead of wondering why something's not working. So we are a part of his vision. If he has a vision, he's not worried about the pruning. He has a vision for the future. We should have a vision for the future as well. But when a season of sifting is taking place, it's hard to see anything else, isn't it? It really is. It can get overwhelming sometimes, the setbacks and the shortcomings or the problems, and then other people who echo those problems to you. But what do we do then? If, if we're in a season of sifting, 
and we get a vision, okay, we've got to look ahead. We've got to look beyond where we are right now. Then what do we do until that time comes? Well, I'll tell you, here's number two. That we work in the season we're in. We work this season right now. This is what Isaiah chapter 30 and verse 23 says. He says, then he will give you rain for the seed, which, watch this, you will sow. And he will give you bread from the yield of the ground. That's the harvest that you gather. And it will be rich and plenteous on that day, your livestock. That means the ones that you care for. Your, you know, you should see it. A guy comes out here every day and he takes large round bells of hay and feeds all these cattle. And this is just some. He's got others over here. But he has to manage all those cows. Those cows don't feed themselves. They don't go to the grocery store and pick up some bread and milk. They, somebody has to take care of them things. It's their responsibility to take care of those cows. And God is saying it's your livestock, it's your harvest, it's your seed that you sow. And on that day, your livestock will graze in a roomy pasture. You know, what would you think about a farmer? If my neighbor just looked out across his field and never did anything with what he had, never did anything with what he owned, looked out at their fields, he never planted any seed, never harvested anything, they would eventually have nothing but a field of thorns and weeds. And we all begin to question, you know, his farming call, if you will. Does this guy know what he's doing? His inexperience or his lack of understanding, it would be evident to all of us. But for some reason, we don't think this way when we're faced with sifting. We pray and we wait for God to kind of wave his hand and plant things for us, right? But notice who's doing the planting and the harvesting. It's us. If you look at Isaiah, it's us. It's your livestock. It's your seed. It's your harvest. And this is true in your work, in your business, in your family, with your church, with your investments, everything. It's this idea of being willing to put your hand to the plow and work in the season that you have right now. Man, I'll tell you what. There's a guy in the Bible that I, whenever I go through a season of sifting, I always go back and read about this guy. And his name is Joseph. And you can read about in Genesis and, and read the story of Joseph. Great, great story. I'm going to read you a couple of verses out of Genesis 39. This is the story of Joseph. And I want you to listen to how many times the Bible references the work that he puts his hand to. So this is Genesis chapter 39 and verse 3. And this is when he's in the house of Potiphar. Joseph has been sold into slavery. He is now in the house of Potiphar. And he is his uh, servant, if you will, in his household. It says, now his master, Potiphar, saw that the Lord was with Joseph and how the Lord caused all that he did to prosper, watch this, in his hand. He didn't sit around and feel bad about his situation. He didn't complain and cry about it and didn't complain to everybody else about his problems. He did something with what he had in his hand. may not have been the best situation, but he did the best he could with what he was given. Genesis chapter 39 and verse 23. This is when he's in the prison, falsely accused by Potiphar's wife. Joseph was an honorable man, but he's thrown into the prison. And it says in verse 23, the chief jailer did not supervise anything, watch this, under Joseph's charge. Now, under Joseph's charge, it just simply means, it's another phrase, if you look at a different translation, it just simply means under his hand, under his care, under his authority. That's what he's responsible for. He says this, he says, He didn't look at anything or supervise anything under Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him. And whatever Joseph did, the Lord made to prosper. Notice it was under Joseph's hand. It's what he put his hand to. He he worked hard. 
He didn't wait for handouts. He didn't wait for people to fix the situation. He worked in the season that he was in. Now, the interesting thing is this. In Genesis 41, verse 40, this is when Joseph is now prime minister, if you will. He is in charge of everything. He's second to Pharaoh. He's going to save the whole world, if you will, from the famine. In verse 40, he says this, talking about Pharaoh. He's talking to Joseph, and he says, You, Joseph, shall be over my house. And according to your command, all my people shall do homage. In other words, they will pay reverence to her. Um, Not worship, but they will bow down to you. They will honor you. And only in the throne I will be greater than you. And Pharaoh said to Joseph, See, I have set you over, or I have put everything under your hand, all of the land of Egypt. I put all of the land of Egypt under your hand, Joseph. But the funny thing is, if you notice what he said first in verse 40, he said, You shall be over my house. And according to your command. In other words, it's according to your words. You know, Joseph, if you remember when he started out, he had a lot of words, didn't he? He started out telling his brothers and his sisters and his daddy and his mom and everybody else around him, the whole family, the cousins, the dogs, the you know, livestock. I'm going to be the, the smartest guy. I'm going to be the brightest guy. I'm going to have these great dreams that are going to happen. And you guys are all going to serve me. And we know that didn't go well for him. Well, it's because Joseph, he was using his words at the wrong time. And a lot of times we like to talk about a lot of stuff. We like to talk about one day when I'm going to do this. Or if they would quit doing this, then I could do this. It's a lot of talk and a lot less action. What Joseph had to learn was, no, it's what you put your hand to is what God will prosper, not what you put in your mouth, not the talking that we do. It's not all this talk, 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 what I'm going to do. God doesn't bless the talking. He blesses the action. And if you work and you put your hand to the plow and you do get after it, then eventually you get to a point like Joseph where your words have backbone. They mean something to people. And so, but you've got to work. You can't ignore the work part. And if we're in a season of sifting, you certainly can't ignore. Because sometimes you've got to serve. Sometimes you've got to work when you get no credit. Sometimes you do things when you don't get blessed. I mean, sometimes, listen, uh, you know, I know we talk a lot about God's going to bless and God's going to do this, but sometimes there's seasons where that blessing is just dormant. It doesn't mean that God's not going to, but when you plant a seed in the ground, it doesn't sprout up automatically. It comes up over a period of time. You've got to put your hand to something. And too many times, people, they want God to bless stuff, but they're not willing to put their hand to anything. I say it like this from an agricultural terminology. We like to talk more than we like to till. And the reality is you've got to work in the season that you're in. The last thing that I want to share with you is this. is You've got to be able to look ahead, first of all. Another season's coming. You're not going to be in this season forever. Look, this thing, this, this health crisis, and everything, it will pass. I promise you it's going to pass. We are going to come out of it. And it's going to be old news. And then something else is going to take place, and it's what people are going to want to talk about. But you can't build your life in a season that you're in. Seasons change. You've got to look ahead, because you're not going to be in this season forever. You've got to work hard in the season that you're in. But know this today. This is number three. Seasons change. Thank God that seasons change. Because I'm telling you, it feels like 10 degrees. It's dropped 10 degrees, it feels like, out here since I've been talking to you. But seasons do change. It's important to understand that sifting is simply a season 
With every season, one ends and another one begins. And the key is, what do we do with the one that we're in right now? It helps prepare us for the next season. So Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 7. Let me read this to you. He says, Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord. We talked about that last week. Returning to the Lord. And he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Now this is the verse we like to quote a lot. Verse 8. Start with verse 7, but now we're going to go to verse 8. First we've got to turn back to the Lord. Then he says, why? Because my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Watch this, verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there without watering the earth and making it bare and sprout, and it furnishes the seed to the sower, And bread to the eater. So will my word, verse 11, which goes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing that which I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Man, God says this. He wants to see his word fulfilled even more than we do. And here's what I've learned. I am not in control of the rain or of the snow. Now in Israel... Rain and snow are very important because Israel has, has a very, you know, of elevation. And to the north in the Golan Heights, there is Mount Hernan. You've probably read about this. It's where the snow and the dew and all this comes down from this mountain. And it, and it waters, it fills up the Jordan, it sends it on down through the valley. But it's so important for that snow off that mountain. It sends water and refreshment to the valley. But I'm not responsible for the snow. And I'm not responsible for the rain. I'm responsible for making sure I've prepared my field so when those things happen, my, my field is blessed. You know, a farmer had to wait for the early and for the latter rains for his crops. And sometimes you and I have to wait for the spiritual blessing that God wants to send. Sometimes you have to wait for the spiritual rain that God is wanting to send. But, you know, you can't manufacture that. I'd love to see a revival across America, but that's not up to me. I'd love to see everybody in our old city and county get born again, but that's not up to me. My job is to pray, provide a house of worship that's ready, that feeds people God's word, and has a place where people can come and grow and and get closer to God. That's my responsibility. But God sends the rain. Our job is to prepare the field. But God sends the rain. And you and I have to be patient at times in this. And it's not fun. It's not easy to do. The reality is, I figured this out, and I think you probably have too. Sometimes we try to do things without God. We try to help Him, you know. We figure out how to irrigate real well. We figure out how to to maybe drill wells or use shade cloth. And right now we're working on a greenhouse. And you you try to do all these different things you do to try to get through the season and, and make things work the way you want them to work. But the reality is, even when we irrigate and we try to water our garden, my grandmother will always say, no matter how much you put that, Hose pop water to the garden. It pales in comparison to the rain that falls from heaven. That rain, a 20-minute shower will do more for your garden than an all-day soaking with a garden hose. It's because it's something about the way that it comes from heaven. And it's the same way spiritually. So what am I going to do in the meantime? Well, <clears throat> I'm going to do my part. I'm going to keep an understanding of the season that I am in and know where I'm at right now. Let me ask you a question. 
is everything blooming in your life? Is everything being blessed? Are you like, you have success right now? You're like, man, everything is going great. That's fantastic. Understand the season you're in. You're in a a blooming season, a a season where you're going to harvest and and gain a lot of blessing. That's wonderful. But know this, seasons change. You will go through a winter season. You will go through a sifting eventually. If not right now, at some point in the future. And let me just encourage you, if you right now feel like, you know, everything in your field is just dormant. You look out there and you say, man, it's just, there's nothing blooming, there's nothing growing, it's just dormant. I just encourage you, winter does not last forever. Thank Jesus for that, right? Spring is coming. And so you prepare now for what is coming. Let me just say this to you today before we close. If it's February, I've never seen a farmer plant his tomatoes in February. Because he knows it'll just die. And sometimes... We do things in the wrong season. You don't plant in the winter months. Not the stuff that's going to be killed by the the frost. You prepare and get ready for the spring. Let me just encourage you with this last thought. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22, if you're thinking, well, what does this have to do with me? I'm not a farmer. Listen. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. You may not be a farmer, but the principle still remains. Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, they will not cease. It means that sometimes you're going to plant seed, it's going to be a, a bit of a time before you get the harvest from that. You know, there's going to be cold seasons. Ugh, that's what it is now. And then there's going to be warm seasons. Thank God for that, right? There's going to be summer, there's going to be winter. There's going to be day and night. There's time to work. There's time to rest. These things will not cease as long as the earth remains. So if you want a better grade in school, what do you do? Do you pray or do you apply yourself? Well, you can pray, but if you didn't study, I wouldn't expect God to come through for you on that. You apply yourself and ask God to help you along the way. If you want a business, then what do you need to do? Probably pick a business plan. Get a plan together. But probably get some experience too, so that you know how to work the business you want. You want to increase more yield from your crops, if you will, whether that be in sales or whatever you do, manufacturing jobs, whatever you got going on. If you want to increase the, the potential of your field, well, you might need more land, but maybe you just need to be more efficient with what you already have. <clears throat> in every area of life, if I want things to be better, then it's up to me to apply the work. I'm asking God to bless. I'm asking Him for the rain and for the snow. But i got to be willing to prepare the fields for what He sends. God will not provide the work, but He will provide uh, the seasons. So it's up to us to understand what season I'm in and make the most of it. So this morning, man, I want to encourage you with this, that uh, if you're in a season of sifting, seasons do change. They do. Work hard in the season you're in. And also, if you don't know what's going on right now, if you feel like, man, I'm just stuck, get a vision for that season that's coming next in your life. Hey, can I pray with you right now? Would you bow your head, close your eyes, and let me pray for you. Dear Jesus, I want to thank you so much for our church and for our church family right now that's in the in the house that's worship you today, that's listening to this message, and those that are online right now, maybe they're at home like us and just trying to recover from all this. And I just pray in the name of Jesus that you would strengthen us in our walk. 
Lord, I thank you that we would be aware of what season we're in and what season uh, we are going into to make preparations for it as it comes along. And Lord, I thank you and I ask you right now to provide rain and snow for people. Lord, that they're asking you to bless what they're putting their hands to. And I ask you in Jesus' name to do so. Lord, I pray that you help us understand that we need to put our hands to things, that we need to work and put our hands to the things which you called us to do. And to not be lazy, to not be uh, lazy in our work, but to work as unto you, Lord. And I just thank you for that. And I pray today, Lord, if there's anybody that's listening right now or watching online or in the room, that they don't know you, they've never accepted you as their Savior. I pray today that they would pray and receive you as Lord. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now with your eyes closed and with your head bowed right now. Maybe you're there and you don't know Jesus. You've never accepted Christ before in your life. Maybe you're in a tough season and you just wonder where's God and you need to come to Christ. You need to accept the Lord Jesus today. Would you pray this with me? The whole church is going to pray with you. You're not going to be by yourself, but the whole church is going to pray with you right now. Would you just repeat this after me? Say, Dear Jesus, I come to you today and I give you my life. I ask you, Lord, to save me and to forgive me and to cleanse me of all unrighteousness. Dear Jesus, I give you my life. I make you my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Man, we're so proud of you. You prayed that prayer, right, church? You give him a hand right now. If you're watching online, would you give some thumbs up, give some hand claps, or whatever you could do online. Do your little finger taps there, whatever you can do. That's so cool, man. We're so proud of you for praying that prayer. And listen, if you prayed and you're just beginning to walk with Christ or you need some information about how to be a disciple of Jesus, we want to help you get started in that. If you just go online, look at the website there on your screen. It says connect.cornerstonerone.com. If you'll follow that link, just follow some information for us. We'd love to help you get started walking with Christ. Well, I don't think I can stand here much longer. I am chattering. My teeth are chattering and it's getting harder to speak. So uh, I'm going to let you guys go. But before we do, as always, I want to speak this blessing over you as our church family. So would you stand to your feet this morning? If you're watching at home right now, maybe just, uh, you know, stand to your feet as well. Or, you know, if you're driving down the road, please don't stand. Just listen and and just receive eyes ahead. (laughs) But it's out of Numbers chapter 6 and verse 24. It just says this, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and may he give you his peace. Man, that's our prayer for you. So proud of you guys today. God bless you guys and we'll see you next week. If today's message blessed you, we want to encourage you to take a moment and share this podcast with a friend. Remember, there's one hope for every heart and that's Jesus. See you next time.